Welcome to Divorce Master Radio, where divorce is made simple. Got questions about divorce in California? We've got answers. Your host, Tim Blankenship, is a licensed legal document assistant specializing in California divorce, helping those representing themselves. And now, here's Tim. Hey everybody, Tim Blankenship here with Divorce661.com, and you may be watching this on our California Divorce Tutor as well. We have with us today John Morrison with Morrison Mediation. John is a mediator, divorce mediator specifically. Um, his offices are in Glendora, but he does handle cases throughout the greater Los Angeles County area, I believe, and we'll get more specifics on that. Um, but we're going to talk to uh, John about uh, divorce mediation. We have some questions lined up here. Um, we have tons of content about divorce mediation, but it's always good to get another perspective from a mediator because I think everyone does things differently. I'm sure you would agree with that. Yes, I would. So um, I just gave people a little bit of background on you. Why don't you spend a few seconds to tell us who you are and what you're all about, and then we can get to some of the, into these uh, these great questions we have here. Okay. Um there are different kinds of divorce mediators. Many of them are attorneys, but I am not. I had an, uh, a background in private industry, and then five years ago, I decided to become a divorce mediator. So I did a, a education and training to prepare me for that. Uh, I'm also a certified divorce financial analyst, but I find that there's a number of advantages to actually not being an, an attorney mediator, and uh, which I can get into later as we're, as we're talking about things. But basically, I offer divorce mediation services to couples to help them complete their divorce in an amicable way and in an inexpensive way out of court. And then as a certified divorce financial analyst, I also help. I'm a, a specialist on divorce financial matters, and I can help individuals and couples with questions that they may have as regards child support, spousal support, dividing up their property, um, different things like that. And often helping them, you know, come to a settlement, but they just might need a little financial assistance. You know, of all the things on your website, the one thing I wrote down was certified divorce financial analyst, <clears throat> and I think that that's uh, something that makes you stand out because in going through divorce, at least with our clients, and I'm sure this is pretty standard in the industry, aside from children, which also turn into money, right? It's a money decision sometimes. Uh, the financial aspect of it is the second or maybe primary largest issue that they're going to address. I know where our clients get stuck sometimes is on the financial, so it's good to know so that there's a meteor, meteor out there with those specific that specific training, right? Right. Maybe uh, meteors don't have that financial element to it. Very few of them do, and interestingly enough, as you refer to, uh, the finances actually, mm -hmm. in my experience, are the biggest part of a divorce. Um, for me, second place is usually working out everything with the children, the parenting plan. But once you've done that, you've got to figure out dividing up all your property and debts. Sometimes that's simple, but sometimes that's very complex if you've got houses, retirement accounts uh, to look at. And then child support and uh, spousal support often take a lot of discussion as well to work out. So, yeah, I find it very helpful to be uh, a financial professional in the divorce context. So let's, let's just uh, let's start right on this since we brought this up. What, are, in your experience in, in dealing with mediation, folks going through divorce, when it comes to finances, I know a lot of our clients don't know what they don't know. If that makes sense to you? Yeah. What, give me one or two things that come up that you say, had I not had this experience, you may not have considered these ramifications or issues related to finances. Is there anything that comes to the top of your head? 
Uh, yes, as, as far as dividing up property and debts, um, if it's at all complex, like a house and what are we going to do with the house or retirement accounts, um, and there's lots of other assets and debts that people have, um, thinking about it's rare that both of the couples in a divorce, both of the individuals, sorry, actually understand all of those in detail and are able to think about them and, and make decisions about them that are seem not only fair now, but in their best interest long term. Um, sometimes people just kind of trade things off fairly quickly without really thinking about how is this going to work out long term for me. So that would be one example. And then the other is like, you know, one of the kind of the, the minefields of divorce can be spousal support. And the interesting thing is the law gives actually very little guidance on what should be spousal support. If a judge decides that there's 14 factors that have to get considered. And so you just can't predict what it's going to be. So to really do it in a mediation, very often it involves getting very realistic about what are each of our expenses and income and what can we afford and what makes sense. And maybe that uh, whatever we agree to scales down over time so that it encourages the one who's receiving it to go to work and the one who's paying it knows that this is going to end at some point. So anyway, there's just a lot of you know financial considerations that go into mm -hmm. working out spouse support sometimes. Okay, very good. So normally when we do these interviews, we don't have a line of questioning. We just have some natural conversation. But you had sent over some questions, and I thought they were really good. So I think we'll just hit them okay. one by one. And uh, we'll also have these these questions as individual questions. Um, podcasts or episodes so if folks don't want to listen to this whole thing they can just uh, look below this video or this podcast rather and you'll find these questions uh, one by one all right number one when might mediation be appropriate in a divorce what would be your answer to that okay uh, i would say and i might have something to say about that too <laughs> okay okay good yeah i would say ideally you don't need mediation and you don't need a course office even really because you're able to work everything out on your own and use a service like Tim provides to just help you get your divorce through the courthouse and done. Uh, but unfortunately, and the other extreme, of course, is you're battling it out over everything and you've got an attorney and you're spending a fortune. But there's a whole lot of couples that are able to agree on nearly everything or maybe a lot of things, but not quite everything. Maybe they can't agree on spousal support or they can't agree on what are we going to do with the house or the timeshare with the children is kind of a sticking point. That's where mediation comes in as kind of the least expensive and also most effective option to help couples work out an agreement to those sticky areas that they can't work out on their own. Okay. You know, and I think another uh, way of answering this is, you know, when might mediation not be appropriate or my services even not be appropriate. And, and my answer, and you can, you can add in on this as well, is when people call me and they're inquiring about our services, what they don't know often is that I'm also interviewing them to see if they're a good candidate if I want to let them in the door for our business. I don't mean that in a negative way or a cocky way. Just I, we may not be the right service for some folks. When they call and they say, my husband has left and uh, closed the accounts and I have no money and uh, he took me off the medical, you know, they may not be a good candidate for mediation. They're definitely not a good candidate for us. This is, you know, as much as I talk and people that watch our podcasts and videos, I'm not anti-attorney. There's attorneys that are necessary in certain uh, cases, uh, but to the degree that we can prevent people from spending money is kind of my my viewpoint. Um, but in these types of cases, I flat out tell people, you're going to need an attorney mm -hmm. for these types. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree. Yeah. Mediation kind of presupposes that both of you 
um, have some give and take, some flexibility. You can actually talk to each other to some extent. You're actually both motivated to come to an agreement together. And, and sometimes, like what you're talking about, let's say one spouse is really dominating the other mm-hmm. or, um, you know, taking all the money or whatever and running. That if it's not a level playing field, then mediation is not really appropriate. A mediator can try to level the playing field, you know, as best they can. But with some couples, it's just never going to be done. And, and then they're not a good candidate for mediation. So let me ask you a side question to this. What is the best way of... So the first agreement they have to come to is to use mediation. The second thing they have to agree to is which mediator are they going to use. How do you advise folks that call you to get parties on the same page um, to to either use your service or someone else's? What is – you must have a tool or something you, you discuss in your conversation with them to get them on the same page, to get them in your door to begin because that's step one, right, is getting them to agree to use you or mediation in general. Absolutely. What I suggest to people that contact me is that we um, have an introductory free consultation. And I always want to do that with both spouses because it doesn't do any good to just talk to one and not the other. But I encourage both spouses to come and see me for a half hour, 40 minutes or so. Bring any questions that they have about divorce or the divorce process or mediation. Um, I explain how mediation works and how I approach it. But more than anything else, we kind of all interview each other a little bit and get a feel for whether we feel like we would be comfortable and confident working together. And we think there's a good chance that we could actually have some success together. So I, I think that's indispensable. You know? So it sounds like with with my business and interviewing folks and you're interviewing folks, I'm sure you come across clients that you may have to say, you know, based on this discussion, I may not be the best choice for you it definitely right it definitely happens okay yeah all right so let's talk about number two here the question was the different types of mediation that are available the scope of each and the cost of each and i think this is a great question it's a pretty in-depth question so there are different types of mediation that are available there are different scopes of mediation i know in uh with mediation and you can expand on this it may be one issue it may be the entire divorce so the scope can change, the type of mediation. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Um, well, the, the range of available mediation relevant to a divorce kind of starts with, let's say, court. If you find yourself in court, unfortunately, and, and there's uh, child custody visitation matters that are up for decision, there's a, requ- a law in California that you have to see a court mediator who will spend some time with you to see if you can work on an agreement. Um, that is without charge, but it's limited only to custody and visitation. And you only can take advantage of it if you're on the court calendar. And hopefully you don't want to be on the court calendar. Yeah, and then just to clarify, folks, if if you are in not in agreement and you're getting on the court's calendar, so we're talking about probably filing a motion, asking for some type of temporary order, all pretrial stuff, they're going to require before you see the judge to see a mediator because the judge doesn't want to see you. They're too busy. They're going to see if you, you can work it out in mediation first. If not, then you can go bug the judge. But that's where the mediation at court. Exactly yeah. right. Okay, go ahead. Exactly right. And then also, you know, some courts have uh, panels of volunteer mediators. So if you are at court, you might be lucky enough to have a judge that will be aware that there's a, a volunteer mediator nearby who will spend you know a few hours with you to try to work out your matter and not even charge you for it. But um, 
you're, you're very lucky if you have that when you're in court because there's just, you know, quite a few mediators volunteer their time in that way. But your chance if you're at court that you're actually going to get a volunteer mediator to help you out is not real good. You know, in, uh, I know in Orange County, they, this is popular and, and you do some work with Orange County courts. L.A. County, this hasn't been something that has been around. However, we had one client and one client alone last year get a letter from the court when we were setting him for trial. It was just it was not going well. And they said his case was selected for mediation. And uh, it turned out to be very successful for him. Oh, so uh, it avoided you know, going through the trial briefs and going to trial and all that. And they, they figured it all out. And they were far apart on agreements. So whoever they set them up with did a good job. Right. But, I mean, I just I brought that up because mediation is going to be, as much as it is a part of divorce, I think it's going to be a larger part of divorce, especially within the system, yeah. of the court system itself. Oh, it's definitely heading that way. You know, my work in voluntary in Orange County, the judges absolutely love us mediators because almost no judge wants to be deciding these things for people. You know, they're, they're so intimate, they're so personal, they're so far-reaching that a judge would much prefer the couple to work things out on their on their own and or with the help of a mediator. So they refer cases to us all the time to try to do exactly that. So we've handled two types of court mediation, you know, pre-trial or pre, you know, not an agreement court mediation, and then having volunteers be assigned in court. And then what's what's the next one? Is it uh, professional medi- mediation outside of court? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, I would call them private mediators. Private mediators. Um, and, and there's a quite a range of private mediators. Um, you could pay anywhere from, let's say, $100 an hour to $700 an hour for a, a private mediator. At the top end, it's probably a former judge or a high-powered attorney. At the lower end, it would be a non-attorney mediator like myself, um, perhaps a family therapist who also is providing mediation. But you've got a whole range of um, mediators. Um, They're providing private mediation. Some focus on a narrow area like parenting plans. That's totally fine. If that's what you need, it'd be great to pick somebody like that. Others um, will handle anything in the whole divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and those mediators, you know, if they're attorney mediators, they're probably going to know a lot about the law and probably not quite as much about financial aspects and their person's people skills may not be the greatest. Um, so it all, it all depends. It's not like any given kind of mediator background is always the best, which is why it's a really good idea to interview your mediators and see what you think of their personality and their knowledge and their experience and so forth. So when looking for a mediator, you know, find someone that you, you think you could, you'll like, but also you, I think there's a big misunderstanding and I've talked about this for years. People don't understand what mediation is. Mm-hmm. When you say mediation, they may be thinking court mediation. They may be mm-hmm. thinking uh, private mediation, but there's all kinds of mediators in between, specializing, divorce, attorney, non-attorney. I mean, and, and all of them produce a different product. All of them have different backgrounds. Yeah. And uh, so depending on what people physically you know, really need, they should really focus in on what it is, who they're looking for. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, it does make it kind of confusing, but you could maybe kind of boil it down to if you want to get divorced and you've got some issues that you can't resolve yourself and you want, but you still want to try to, do that in a fairly low-cost, amicable way. That's your clue to, to think about mediation. And then to think about, you know, what, what kind of help do we need? Is it really co-parenting, in which case we should get a mediator that's focused on that? Is there a lot of financial stuff? You know, we, mm-hmm. we might want to focus on that. And then there's also just how much do you want to pay? If you're going to get a mediator uh, who's also an attorney, you're probably going to pay 350 to $400 an hour and up, whereas with a non-attorney mediator, you can generally pay less than that. Okay. So that, I think that pretty much covers the different types of mediators. I want to ask you a, 
a personal question. It's probably not personal. I've, I don't usually talk about complaints and mediation, but what is your style, like your specific style of mediation? Um, we know it's non-attorney mediation, which personally I think that you can disagree with me here, but I think people should try with start with non-attorney mediation first because we were talking a little bit before we started. Mm-hmm. A lot of what mediation, what people need, they think they need an attorney, but they just need someone to help them talk. They can't even sit in a room together. You know, they just need to help communicating effectively. I'm sure they can, can communicate, you know, in, in one way or another, but effectively to come to these difficult agreements where the emotion's not helping. But um, what is your what is your take on that? Do you think people should start there? Or, I mean, is there some cases where, you, you know, you need – maybe you talk to them and say, you know, you need an attorney mm-hmm. in the room. And the deeper question of this is I've had some people who have come to us say, Tim, it started with mediation, whatever company, and I just wish they would have – told us what to do. You ever mm-hmm. get that? I wish they would have made a decision for us, mm-hmm. but that's not really what mediation is about. Mediation is to help them make the decision, not tell them what to do. I know that was like 18 questions. <laughs> <laughs> Tackle them as yeah, you can. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, There's it, kind of a, a range in mediation of, do you as the mediator see your role as to facilitate the couple coming to their own agreement that's well thought out, that kind of has all the factors out on the table? Or as the mediator, do you see your role as to kind of hear what the, basically what's going in and then tell them what the law is and kind of give them some advice as mm-hmm. to, well, here's, here's what a judge would do. So I, you know, this is probably how you want to settle this. Um, so, so you see both ends of it. It could work for, either, you know, some mm-hmm. people who really want that sort of guidance, maybe they should go to an attorney mediator who's okay. going to tell you, well, you know, if you go to court, this is what's going to happen. So that kind of steers you in a certain direction. But I find that, and, and studies have shown that agreements between couples are more durable and they regret them less when they don't go that way. Yeah. But instead, they really have a full, respectful conversation about all the factors involved, get everything out on the table, understand what's important to each each person and why, and then take all that into account into a decision that everybody understands and feels is fair. Yeah. Then you, you walk away from the whole thing feeling like you don't have regrets. You know, it wasn't any fun, and it, it uh, but we kind of did the best we can with it, and mm-hmm. we don't really have regrets. So, you know, the other can be more expedient, but if you want a durable agreement that you're mm-hmm. going to be more comfortable with, then the kind of mediation that I provide, and I'm talking about more facilitated mediation is usually the way to go. And then one of the skills that a mediator brings to the table is they should be conflict resolution specialists. So that they're very, you know, they're comfortable with a couple that is in conflict. They don't kind of, uh, their own buttons don't get pressed and they don't get out of the room. They're comfortable and they, and they know ways to kind of, despite that conflict, help each person calm down, help each person be heard, um, you know, and work, work, work through things in such a way that you actually, despite the conflict, get to an agreement. Okay. So I think that, I think that, uh, leads us into the next question here, which is you wrote down the success rate of mediation. So are you able to quantify a success rate in mediation? Are there statistics overall or with you in general? What, how would you? Yeah, it's hard to have, you know, Totally accurate numbers. But in general, a lot of studies have been done of mediation that generally show that it's in the range of 75 to 85% successful. Um, Obviously, that kind of assumes that uh, couples that have no chance of agreeing aren't going to even be trying mediation. So to some extent, the couples that come to mediation are disposed to try to work something out. 
But it does show that you actually do have a very good chance of success, you know, if you have some motivation to actually get there. Okay. Yeah, you definitely have to be a willing participant in mediation. Yeah. So now that I'm reading some of these questions, it looks like we kind of hit on them topically, but this let's handle them uh, direct, you know, right on. What are some of the key characteristics? Character. I'm going to start over. What are some of the key characteristics of a good divorce mediator? All right. Well, again, to some extent, that depends on the kind of mediator you're looking right. for. But a really fundamental one would be if you're interviewing mediators, does this person really listen to me? And do I feel like after I've said something to that person that they actually really got where mm-hmm. I'm coming from? Yeah. And also, is that person kind of have the kind of demeanor where they can really hear where I'm coming from calmly, but also hear where my spouse is coming from calmly, and then kind of deal with the, the rub between those? In, in other words, they've got kind of the, the, the people skills to really interact with you in a way that makes you feel comfortable so you can say what's on your mind, but also you have some confidence that they're going to help you work through that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a nebulous people factor thing. But um, mediators who don't have, the, have those skills will then fall back on trying to give you advice or telling you what to do mm-hmm. because they don't have the kind of the comfort level and the people skill level to really um, hear and hear each person and, and help each person feel empowered to get their concerns on the table and come to good agreements. Mm-hmm. So that would be a really important one. Um, you want to have a mediator with some experience, um, but it doesn't need to, you don't need 10 years of experience to be a good mediator. Um, and then another factor is, is if, if your divorce really has significant financial issues and co-parenting issues, it's a good idea to get a mediator who's you know, conversant and knowledgeable about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you might find yourself in the mediation having to stop fairly often and go see an accountant to clarify this, that, mm-hmm. or the other. Whereas if the mediator you know, is well-versed in the relevant divorce law, the relevant financial things that occur in a divorce and so forth, there's a really good chance that whatever comes up, you're going to just be able to keep making progress. Yeah, we were, we were talking a bit at lunch and <clears throat> before this, and I said I wouldn't be a good mediator because I'm not a good listener. And then you brought something else up that I think I would have a difficult time with, which is you, know, you said uh, having your own buttons pushed with, say, commentary or discussion that would lead – one as a mediator to side maybe with one party or the other. You have to keep, remain completely neutral despite how you may feel they, what they should do based on your life experiences and so forth. But you have to allow them yeah. and you can't get in the middle. You can't be uh, one of the three <laughs> mediating, right? You have to be facilitating. Yeah, so, absolutely yeah. right. And it can be challenging, you know, as a mediator to do that, but it's critically important not only not to react, but then um, to stay calm mm-hmm. and, um, and also sometimes to be firm, because if you just kind of are calm and a good listener, sometimes, you know, the, the conflict in the room just takes off and you could waste a heck of a lot of time just listening mm-hmm. to them go at each other. So you often, you also need kind of the people skills to be able to gently but firmly take charge occasionally and make sure that we're moving in a pro- positive direction. All right. Perfect. Perfect for our next question. What does a mediator do in mediation? <laughs> yeah, it's... it's We've and ta- again, I'm sure yeah. that depends. But. Yeah, we've talked about it some. Yeah. But uh, a good mediator, like we said, is a very good listener, but also asks very good questions to um, to kind of get everything uh, out on the table, you know, um, making sure that do you really understand what you're talking about? We're talking about selling the house. Do you understand about mortgages? Do you, what about the tax that might be involved? 
you know, kind of he asks good questions to find out what each person knows and cares about, but also let's make sure we understand this thing fully. Um, so that's a lot of it. But then also a mediator, of course, has kind of a knows that wherever we're starting from, hopefully what we're working towards is a full divorce agreement. And that needs to include some very specific things Mm -hmm. that if you're not a divorce professional, you don't really know what all those specific things are. So, for example, when you're talking about spousal support, there's certain bases that simply have to be covered. Otherwise, the court will say, you know, your your agreements on spousal support aren't complete enough. So... um, the mediator, you know, mediator is also therefore directing to some extent the conversation in a productive channel, so that you can hopefully fairly efficiently get to an agreement in two, three, four sessions, and you're not doing this thing for you know months and months right. and loads of sessions. That's not the plan. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's say um, people have gone through a couple sessions. They've spent six, eight, ten hours with you, or in mediation general. What if they still aren't able to come to an agreement? What happens? It does happen. Sometimes the, you know, the issues are so fundamental, it might be a matter of principle, they just can't decide, or maybe you know, all the money is tied up in the house, but one person really wants to sell, hold on to the house instead of sell it. So it does happen. Um, there's not like a, always what you should do answer to that. Sometimes you simply need to take a break and think about it. Uh, you should definitely think about what the consequences are. If we don't work this out in mediation, what are we going to do? Are we just going to put our divorce on hold? Are we going to get lawyers? Are we going to go to court and battle this out? Mm-hmm. What's that going to cost us? Uh, you want to think carefully about that. But you still have options. That's yeah. the good thing. You can try another mediator. You, I'm going I'm to do what you're – I'm learning from you right now because we you know with our clients – you know, I try and answer the question. I'm just going to start asking them questions. I love that. <laughs> What's the alternative? That's going to be my new thing. Tim, yeah. we can't do the blah, blah, blah. What's the alternative? Yes. And, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. It solves everything. It, yeah, it does. <laughs> if you really get them to think about that and, and the alternative is not good, sometimes that will increase your motivation. Does right. it somehow work something out? And time. Time really. Yeah. Although we handle mostly amicable cases, there's, it's divorce, and it's not all roses. So we'll get the where we're in the middle. We're we're cc'd on every every kind of nasty email between clients. You know the, some of those types of cases, and uh, where there'll be a question at the end for me or vice versa. And sometimes I'll ignore it. That usually is a good response because it's usually just a you know heat of the moment type of email, or if it's a, a something that is remaining, uh, time can be a really good factor in just making something resolve. Yeah. I'll someone email me on a Friday saying, Tim, we're just absolutely not in agreement on this. And I'll say, let's see what happens over the weekend. That's it. Uh-huh. And Monday, oh, we're in agreement, Tim. We talk. Okay, great. It didn't take any, yeah. you know, just time. I totally agree. <clears throat> and, and also, and that kind of brings to mind another challenging thing about divorce, which is that it is, it's rare that both of the spouses are at the same place emotionally with regard to divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, very often one is really ready to go. They're usually the one that initiated it. The other one's not Let so sure about this. The yeah. woman? Uh, more often. Yes. Okay. More often. So it's the same with us with, with mediation. Yeah, yeah, more often the women. There could be initiate. a whole podcast on that alone, like what, <laughs> yeah. why. But, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the challenges of even working out a divorce, whether it's through mediation or your service, mm-hmm. I'm sure, is trying is waiting for the right moment or whatever, the right time when both people are ready, you know, to actually do this, you know, do the process, mm-hmm. make the decisions. Uh, and sometimes you do have to wait a bit until one or the other is actually ready. Yeah. You know, it's always it's funny because with, um, with what we do, document preparation, people are pretty much ready to go. They're, they've decided. 
they're pretty much in agreement. Sometimes they're not in agreement, and that's fine. But our our case, we do it more from from a, a attorney perspective as far as a procedural aspect. We start the filing, and we get the paperwork going, and we start doing that. Where I always said mediators do things backwards. They work on all the agreements, and then they go and do the court procedure. I'm assuming that that's how you do it as well. You start, you, you just handle the agreements. Let's do this before paper starts flying, which sometimes can make it a little bit more messy. It's like, oh, when they start seeing court forms. But you guys want to address the issues up front, correct? Yeah, we, we kind of take the point of view, generally speaking, that <clears throat> you can't get divorced anyway until you've worked out all the issues. So okay. why don't we work out all the issues? However, so, you know... Uh, some people want to get the, the legal process rolling because mm-hmm. in California, it takes you at least six months. Yes. And so uh, most people, couples that I work with, first we work out the agreements, then we start the paperwork. Mm-hmm. But others want to get that six yeah. months rolling. And so we will, you know, in as the mediation, we'll, we'll work out, okay, who's going to file? How are you going to get the papers served? How are we going to make sure this isn't upsetting for everybody, mm-hmm. anybody? So we really, you know, we actually mediate getting the divorce started in addition to all the issues associated with it. Good. So we, we have some of those same concerns, too, with the starting the clock on the six months and all that good stuff. All right. This looks like our last question. Did we answer? I think we did. Oh, okay. Ideally, mediation is done in person, but it can be done over the Internet. So I want to talk about this because your main office is in Glendora, but you do handle the greater Los Angeles area. We are in the Los Angeles area, Santa Clarita specifically, but we do handle the greater Los Angeles area as well. And we'll even do all of California. We have clients kind of coming from everywhere. So a lot of what we do is remote. A lot of what we do is over the phone and via email. So I was very interested to see you say this because I don't want people to listen to this podcast thinking that this is an LA-based company podcast and, hey, John can't help because it's in Glendora. That's not the case. So I want to make it clear, this is stepping up to where it can be done, as is with the case with most businesses. People need to get on board. You don't need to walk into a brick-and-mortar building, shake a hand. I mean, I know there's still those old-school people like that, and we get this all the time. Tim, I need to shake a hand and see a building, you know, make sure you're real. But 80% of what we do is over the phone and via email and so forth, and there's no reason why mediation can't be the same way. Absolutely right, and mediation is gradually going that way, I would say. Um, it's a little more challenging in a divorce just because it's so personal mm-hmm. uh, and the dynamics are often, you know, tense or, or, or whatever. So it, it's usually best if you can all be together, you know, in one room. But sometimes if the issues are fairly simple or if the distances are great, you know, that gets outweighed by the fact that it's just going to be a heck of a lot more convenient for everybody to do this over the Internet. And then we can use, you know, Skype or, you know, uh, conferencing tools like that so that we can all see each other and hear what we have to say and look at the relevant documents and still make very good progress and do a whole mediation over the Internet. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Just I, I may be wrong, but I guess it probably depends on the people. But to remove a certain element of emotion, to not be physically present in the room with the other party may have some advantage to just being on a screen and not having that you know, proximity issue. In the room. I don't know. No, you're absolutely right. For some couples, it could be better. <clears throat> because sometimes, yes, yeah, simply just being in the room together is like a firecracker <laughs> yeah. all by itself. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, for some couples, it may be a preferred way to go. Yeah. I, so I would love to see our clients that require mediation go to a service like you, even if they're here. It doesn't matter where they're at. I just love removing the, the, the locale from the issue of who we're deciding to use for mediation. Because a lot of our clients, they need limited mediation. I don't think... Mm-hmm. Some of them need the full on. They need to be in a room and they need some help. But some just need to be able to communicate. And I think just doing it remotely over Skype, an interview, an hour, a lot of them, I think an hour would solve three months of issues, you know? 
to get to, to find the root problem causing the remainder of problems. Yeah, no, I, and I would be happy to work with people that way. And maybe another thing to mention is that I and most attorney, non-attorney uh, divorce mediators don't have a retainer and only uh, usually charge you by the hour, although often we'll, we'll negotiate a flat fee if you'd prefer that. Uh, it's more reasonable than what attorneys charge. You only pay for the time we spend. You can stop whenever you want to. And so, therefore, the cost of mediation can actually be quite limited. You know, if, like, like Tim was saying, if you don't have that much that you need to resolve, maybe a one-hour conversation and you're done. And, yeah. and the f- cost would be very low, you know, for something like that. Well, very good, John. I think we covered a lot of a lot of material here. There's tons of information to know about mediation. Uh, is there anything, any closing remarks, anything we didn't cover or you wanted to bring up? I don't think so. I think, I we, think did we covered a, good job. a bit. Yeah. And if people have additional questions, it's John Morrison, M O R R I S O N. Did I get that right? Yep. Can I give out this phone number? Is this the main contact for yeah, you? Sure. You never know. Once I gave out someone's cell phone, they're like, Tim. <laughs> So 626-691-5616, and it's morrisonmediation.com. And you have, unlike a lot of other people in the industry, you have a website with tons of information, which I like. So people can go there and learn more about mediation. You have some videos on there. They can find out about mediation. Yeah, I'm not quite in the same league as Tim as far as providing terrific information about the whole divorce process and stuff. But, yeah, I have a lot there, and I've really tried to make it my mission, like Tim, to demystify divorce, make it easier to understand wherever you are in the process, what are the options available to you, and how do you move it forward. So, yeah, I've got a lot of information there that you might find helpful. Perfect. And for those listening, you're obviously going through divorce. If you're my client, you're going to hear me tell you if you have any incident. Any issues at all, however however slight, to get into mediation immediately, at least make a phone call. I talk about that all day long. If there's one, they get stuck. Why aren't you moving? Why is there a delay? Oh, we have that. Talk to someone. Just get help. It may be a, it may just be a consultation. It may be a quick phone call. It may be a thirty minute consultation, something over Skype. Um, the sooner you and I'm talking directly to people listening to this, as sooner you guys get help, the, the, a little issue can mushroom. Very quickly into a massive issue, and next thing you know, you're with attorneys blowing all, all your kids' money and money I'm sure you'd prefer to keep. So, John Morrison, folks, 626-691-5616, morrisonmediation.com. If you are my client or are thinking of becoming our client, we will be talking about mediation if you bring up any issues at all or if I feel that mediation would be helpful to you. This has been Tim Blankenship with Divorce661.com, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Tim Blankenship on Divorce Master Radio. Learn more at Divorce661.com, where you can find hundreds of video and audio tutorials discussing the California divorce process. Need professional assistance with your divorce? Give us a call at 661-281-0266 and let the professionals handle your divorce.